You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Welcome to 3AM. 3AM. 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? This is the 3 a.m. podcast. My name is Sean. My name's Charlie. And my name's DJ. And we're going to tell you some scary stories tonight because that's what we do. That's right. If you are new and we were lucky enough... To pop up on your feed or to be sent to you by a friend or family member who listens to us, welcome to the show. We're just a bunch of best friends who like spooky things. So pull up a log around our campfire tonight. <laughs> okay, don't scare them away now. Uh, let the stories do the scaring. No. Okay. Um, All right. I went and saw a movie alone last night. Oh, what'd you see, bro? I saw Boy 2. Oh, God. And I give it eight dog dicks out of eight dog dicks. <laughs> it was garbage. <laughs> Bro, I could have told you that I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it was going to be bad, but I was just like, ah, whatever. Like, let's see how bad it is. And I straight shook my head for like an hour and a half. An hour and 37 minutes, I was shaking my head. When I first started hanging out with these dudes in like 2014, all of them were so into... At this time in their life, they were all single. Most of them are married at this point. <laughs> I think it's just me, Sean, and Jordan who aren't married. But it was a time where we were just wiling out. And I was getting to know these guys, and they would watch a lot of movies, which was fun. But they would watch a lot of movies that they knew were going to be bad <laughs> in theaters. So we were college students. I was broke. I mean, not much has changed, but... <laughs> was but, is will be <laughs> always <laughs> yesterday today and tomorrow yeah um they're just spending money all the time on these terrible movies and that 
put a little hindrance on our friendship in the beginning. But now it's brought us together. Now you watch bad movies too. <laughs> Sean did the math once. How much did you spend on movie tickets for yourself alone in one year? Was it 2017? or f- No, dude. It would have been 2015. Damn. And it was $1,500, not including concessions. <laughs> so you, you, how many is that a, a week? We're, I saw like at least three movies a week for an entire year. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Making that Skrilla as a college student out there. <laughs> now, uh, what were some of these bad movies? Um, I don't know. I, for some reason, I'm super entertained by bad, scary movies. Like I will watch all of them. Not even just scary movies though. Like I'm talking about like Sharknado tier movies. Uh, <laughs> Cro- I don't think Croc- I ever saw Croctopus. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, Zombievers is funny. <laughs> it was a good movie. Like, see, you find diamonds in the rough by doing that. Zombievers also... is legitimately a, a entertaining movie. What's, what's the one that Kale suggested one of our buddy Thanks Kale. Thanks killing. No, no, there's another one recently. Oh, Velocipaster. Velocipaster. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to a church near you. <laughs> Did you watch the trailer that he, that he sent? No. no, bro. I should though. I've watched it like four times. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> I can't, I can't say anything because the last house I lived at, my roommates were kind of the same to the extent that we had four huge Pacific Rim posters in our living room. Gross. Huh. But the thing with scary movies and bad scary movies, I don't know. I, I'm really turned off by scary movies that are trying to be really good. Mm. And uh, Sean and I, I, I'd assume you, but we share a disdain for when the movie relies solely on jump scares and loud noises yeah, rather than story setting situational and boy was a thousand percent just loud noises or the worst jump scares ever. (laughs) That's all it was. See it coming from a mile away every time. Also, when you watch enough scary movies, you are pretty good at assuming it becomes formulaic. Yeah. Yeah. you can expect it. She drops her toothbrush. She bends down to pick it up. <laughs> she stands back up. And in the mirror, <laughs> the dark figure is there. What? Not in the mirror again? <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite classic scary movie? Hmm. I feel like we've talked about this a lot. No? Well, I'm talking old. Have either of you ever watched Birds? Alfred Hitchcock? No, I've never seen that one. I don't know if I've ever seen a black and white scary movie besides psycho hmm. but birds was wild i watched it when i was 10 ish and there's a scene where all of these crows i think they're crows mm-hmm. peck out this dude's eyeballs oh. and i saw it when i was little and it's just they're like swarming his face and then they back up and he has two p- painted black dots on his eyes but as a child it was like the scariest thing i could imagine <laughs> what are some of the scariest things you've okay i i'm thinking more in music are there any songs that have scared you or terrified you not that i can think of like actual songs so back in the day i used to go out ghost hunting a lot so we'd go visit scary places out in the foothills near visalia california 
And in order to get to this one place, you had to take this one road that I've talked about before called El Rio Road. So you're way out in the country. You're near this famous park where all of these gang members, so it's a meetup, so it's super dangerous. And you take a right and it's just like a single lane road. And on the right side is a river. And before we'd get on that road, I'd always make everyone in my car get out and ride in the truck bed. So it was like the most scary. (laughs) And then I would play this song by Clint Mansell, who composed for Requiem for a Dream. Mm. And there's two songs on that album. One of them you've heard in almost every trailer ever. It's called like Ox Anthem, Antium. I don't know. I can't remember. But it's like, I'm trash, but <laughs> give me a second. Yeah, that was the worst rendition I've ever heard of that song. Hands down. I'm, I'm cutting that shit out. Um, back on that subject of scary movies, though, I remembered a black and white that I really liked as a kid. It's called The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. What? Did you ever see that? Mm-mm. So uh, it has Don Knotts in it. And do you know who Don Knotts is? Yeah. So he's like this, he's like mostly a comedy actor. And he accepts essentially a dare to go and sleep in a haunted mansion. And while he's there, stuff happens. And it's an unsolved murder. Oh, I'm, I'm watching this Dude, tonight, Dude, it's such bro. a good movie. I loved it. What's, What's it, it called? called? The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Damn. All right, Shawnee. All right, here's the... It's called Lux Aeterma. So loud and look how low you put it. I've heard this. I know. This is the one in trailers. Yeah, most people have heard this. They don't realize they've heard it, though. And if they haven't heard this, they've heard, like, someone try to replicate this. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, the most daunting, like, fills you with dread type music. It's orchestra strings i don't know dude strings are creepy so that's what i was attempting to do with my mouth (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's safe to say everyone has heard this song you know what this is also in a lot of what's that motivational youtube videos (laughs) oh my gosh also scary (laughs) also scary hold on i i have to find one more sorry guys the second song that I would play, and this is like the really hardcore one, it's called The Meltdown. And this is happening at a point in the movie where every bad thing is happening. So if you haven't seen Requiem for a Dream, it's not so much scary as scarring and PTSD inducing. This song is playing during it. <laughs> this one is intense. So it like builds up. It just causes like stress to me. (laughs) Dude, this is the most anxiety inducing song I've ever heard. If you have Spotify, go look it up. Clint Mansell meltdown um have you ever seen requiem for a tuesday <laughs> no no <laughs> uh, you should see it it's actually short it's scary how short it is it's about six seconds 
No. <laughs> you know the claymation film? Oh, God. <laughs> I no. hate you. I hate um, you, dude. What were you going to say? Um, actually, I just remembered a sound that was kind of eerie and creepy. I know you have seen this or listened to this podcast before. I don't know if you have, but Black Tapes, Ooh. a podcast that was popular like a couple of years ago, probably. And in one of the episodes, they say that this sound is like cursed and anyone that listens to it a year later dies and then in the middle of the episode it says we're gonna play you the sound now it's pretty intense bro they're like warning that's a great we're gonna play this sound (laughs) oh man and i know at least three or four people who turned it off they were like "I, i refuse i won't listen to it bro i listened to that whole thing me too still alive bitches What about you, Deej? There's one that I can think of. So a couple of years ago when Sean and I were roommates, Jordan was a roommate as well, and Jake, we were at Alpine Village. Oh, right. I, at the time, I was working from home uh, for a tech company, so I would always just play music while I was working in my room. And this one producer that I love, her name is Sophie, and she is a complete weirdo. (laughs) So some of your opinions might change at me if you listen to this person's music. (laughs) And that's totally fine. I acknowledge the fact. But Sophie came out with her first album. I was really excited to listen to it. So I was playing in the background while I was working. And one of the songs came on. And Sophie is the best way to put it or the worst is like a mad scientist producer. The creations she makes are like out of this world. (laughs) in the best way but there was a song on the album called not okay and when it started playing it made me so uncomfortable all of the sounds that were coming through my speakers i i turned around to look if someone was behind me like three times it was so creepy to me because i've never heard sound produced that way and organized and it was just like this i don't know like amalgamation of unknown eerie just creepy and i don't know it might hit different now maybe it was just in the moment and you were like alone in a room yeah (laughs) i i I haven't really listened to it much since but i appreciated the fact that it made me feel that way because i've never had that emotion before in a song until that that moment at least on its own without like the aid of a movie Mm. or what's going on on screen but that was one for me Selfie, not okay. I don't know. Try to play. It's pretty unsettling it's already. Kind of yeah, is. This is fly though. I like it, dude. We recently watched Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and that might be the movie I have watched the most in my entire life. Random. It is random. <laughs> but as a kid, we had it on VHS. Hey. And. <laughs> It's the right amount of weird to keep you intrigued, at least for me. So it was, you have those movies when you're growing up where it's just playing. You could be doing something else, like playing with toys or something. And it's just on the TV in the background. But we watched that and it got to the part where they're in the big room with the chocolate waterfall and Augustus Glute falls inside. (laughs) But that song where they just enter the room and they're eating candy. What is oh, now? I can't think of it. What is? It? I used to play this a lot. Imagine. Wait, 
in a world pure imagination yeah pure imagination which is a super heartwarming song for me it's really nostalgic i just think it's a good song on its own but that first line come and see i think it is Mm -hmm. but my girlfriend said when she was a kid that was also playing in the background and she fell asleep and their vcr broke and it looped that part come and see come and see and she would hear that over and over and over and a small asian girl crawled out of her tv (laughs) so that song for me i love it but for her it's terrifying and it creeps her out and but when she gave it to me in that context it made perfect that makes sense yeah bro that should be a scene in a movie that is that should be a new kind of like how it's a jordan peele yeah used i got five on it which on its own isn't a scary song by any means Mm -hmm. but his rendition of it so good the way he used it in the movie us if you haven't seen that but the way the strings are using that Mm -hmm. terrifying (laughs) yeah match the mood perfectly nice but so what out there listeners what is your scariest song dm us comment yeah, let us know. I'd be interested in like finding more creepy music. It's funny. We've had some people tell us that our theme song, oh, yeah. our intro song is scary. <laughs> I mean, we were trying to channel that a little bit, but we've had some people tell us that they couldn't make it past the intro to listen to us because the the piano was too scary. So, <laughs> For those who don't know, DJ actually created our intro. Shout out, DJ. Yeah. Quick work. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, Go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3 a.m. and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Four. Four. Twenty. Oh! <laughs> 20. Are you serious? But that's for me and Sean. Oh. 17. Oh. Okay. If you're new, 
those two jingles you heard. First one is for a question time segment. Second one is for when we roll. We roll to see what order we tell our stories in. Highest out of the D20 goes first. So tonight we have Charles, me, then Sean telling stories in that order. All right, I'm up. All right, so I actually came across this story while I was cruising the internet. And I got most of my information from an NPR News article by John Enger. John Enger. This takes place in Langby, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It is December 20th, 1980. Hmm. So, Just across the country, Harrison's grandfather was finding dead sheep in his farm. Is that the same year? Yeah, 1980. Whoa. Oh, my God. <laughs> So 19-year-old Jean Hilliard, she's dating this guy. They're having fun. They go out on the town and they go to the spot in the town, the hot spot. The spot. So they're hanging out, they're dancing, and it gets about midnight. When she goes out, gets in her dad's truck, and begins to drive home. On her way home, she remembers a shortcut. So she takes the shortcut and turns onto a super icy, gravelly road. Now, halfway down the shortcut, her car, she starts to lose control, and her car goes straight into a ditch. Can't move. No cell phones. So she has to get out, and she remembers that there's a family friend that lives a couple miles down the road, but she can make it. So she steps out of her truck into negative 20-degree weather. So she starts to walk... She's in a light coat and cowboy boots. What? I just watched eight below. Dude. <laughs> nah, bro. For the first time in my 20 life. 20 below. <laughs> <laughs> so she starts to walk. She said she would go up a hill, get to the top and think, my friend's house has got to be right over this hill. Gets over the hill. Nothing. Go down the hill. Go up the hill. Okay. It's got to be this one. Goes over the top of the hill. Nothing. So she's starting to get cold. She said she wasn't scared. She was more just annoyed that her friend's house was so far away. So she keeps walking, keeps walking. She comes over this hill and sees the lights of her friend's house in the distance. She goes, perfect. And as she thinks that, she blacks out. Oh, hell. Dude, it's always when you think you're okay. So even though she's blacked out, she doesn't remember this part, but... She gets to her friend's property gate, falls down, crawls to the door. And at the door, within reach of like the front door, she completely passes out and lies in the cold for six hours. Her body was found the next morning by her friend. Her friend walks out. He actually had a lady over that night that like he had just met. She stayed the night for like a one night stand and they come out on the porch and they look over and he sees like his friend's daughter's body stiff as a board on his porch. They go over there and they said she was frozen solid, eyes wide open, not moving at all. He like tried to move her, push her, but she literally moved like a board. Holy So he thinks, uh, I better get her to the, the clinic, you know, tries to pick her up has to ask his girlfriend not his girlfriend but his lady friend to help pick the body up 
tries to put it in his car, but she's so stiff, she won't fit in his car. So she has to put the body in the friend's car. (laughs) And they drive her to the nearby clinic, the Faustin Clinic. So immediately doctors see her, you know, there's a, it's just despair. But they think, you know what? We need to just follow protocol and try to warm her up and we'll announce her dead then. So they put heating pads on her. As they put heating pads on her, like an hour in, her body starts to spasm. Then by 12 p.m., she's fully speaking. Holy cow. And a couple hours after that, she's come completely normal back to health so when they brought her in they thought she was dead then when she started moving they were sure they were going to have to amputate her both of her legs but by the time she was fully back she had numbness in two of her toes that eventually came back and that's the only thing that affected her what? And she walked out of that hospital. Oh my gosh. She's the luckiest person in this entire world. And she's alive today. <laughs> oh my God. Or she's born with plus 80 frost resistance. <laughs> um, dude, that's crazy. I, I can't remember names, but I read either this story or something very similar about a week ago and thought about sharing it tonight. Really? And there was a picture that came with it. It was in the news article. Yeah, I think it's the same one. Okay. All right. So there is the leading expert on retrieving severe hypothermia. So like bringing back someone from severe hypothermia. And his name is David Plummer. And he said that this case, although it's rare, isn't completely unique. It has happened in the past. People have been frozen to the point where they are completely solid. Like their body, they appear dead. But if you follow a procedure, you can bring them back. Mm-hmm. And he said there is no real data on it. They like don't fully understand it. It's essentially like a hibernation that humans can go into. Hmm. Um, but he says it's known amongst him and other experts in that field that no one is dead until they are warm and dead. That's creepy. Yep. But I had no idea humans could do that. So when I saw that, I it tripped me out. Bro, that sounds like something that would be in like a sci-fi movie or something. It sounds I mean, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I wonder what exact state your body has to be in in order to endure that and survive that. I think just as important as how you get into that state is how they bring you out of it. Yeah. He mentioned something like if your blood heart rate is able is able to be stable while they're bringing your temperature up, you have a higher chance of coming back. Right. But wow. it's still wild. She has no brain damage. Nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I will mention while she was in the hospital and when she was still completely frozen solid with her eyes wide open, they called a pastor, a local pastor, and they started a huge prayer chain for her. And so there was a ton of people praying for her and she came back. And so she was known for a really long time. She went on Unsolved Mysteries. She went on the Today Show. She went on all these shows as like the miracle girl. Um, But when she looks back on it, she said it wasn't really a miracle to her other than she came back. It didn't change her life at all. Hmm. 
Like she, it just happened. She doesn't even remember it for her. It was like, she went to sleep and woke up in the hospital. That's it. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. That girl ended up to be Michelle Kwan. <laughs> and now, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Next one. This one was the one that was DM to us. And this comes to us from Lindsay. Mm, yep. The same Lindsay who told us that one story about her mom and dad and they went camping and they run into that man with the hat in the trailer. In the trailer. Yes. Raining. Mm-hmm. Her uncle won't tell us. Stupid. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so this hap- happened to her. This is her story. She said all growing up, her parents would flip houses. So this was in the 90s when economy was great. Her parents would often buy houses, fix them up, and then sell them. So she spent a lot of her childhood in empty homes, empty renovated homes. She said it was a lot of wild things happened. So you could imagine like exploring all these different nooks and crannies. She's about 10 or 11, she said, when she first realized that she too inherited the gift from her mom. So in her words, she can't really like see full on apparitions or anything. She's just very, very sensitive to energy and can like tell when something's lingering. But this is the first time she realized that. Mm-hmm. So there was a house that was for sale and it was in a, in a really affluent neighborhood. Um, she said it was a ranch style home brick, had white wood trim, very pretty. It was on a hill. Her dad parks on the street because the realtor was there before had parked in the driveway. So they park, they're getting out of the car. She's young, she's 10 and she's so excited. She wants to be the first one in the house, see all the rooms, you know? (laughs) So she jumps out of the car and just sprints towards the door. And the realtor had left the door open and gone into the kitchen. And as she's running up the steps to the door, she said the second she hit the porch, she stops dead in her tracks. Because she's feeling something she's never really felt before. Hmm. She said it was like her whole body was like seized and she was very nauseous. And she's like shook. And she said the closer she got to the house, the worse it got. So her parents come up behind her and her mom bends down and is like, sweetie, are you okay? She's like, I don't want to go in this house. I, I don't feel good. I don't want to go in this house. She said her dad kind of laughed it off, <laughs> stepped past her, walked right in. And her mom, who also feels things, like knelt down beside her and said, you know, she didn't really feel anything at the time. And if it's okay, let's go in. She said, okay. So she holds her hand and they go inside. So they're walking around the house. She's holding on to both of her parents and they go into the kitchen and they start discussing all the particulars, like how much, you know, why it's so low under market value, all this stuff. And she's just sitting there waiting. And then when the realtor stops talking, she goes, are there ghosts in here? And the realtor just starts laughing, but doesn't answer. So they continue to go through the house and she feels a little more comfortable. So she lets go of her parents' hands. She's walking alone and they're about to leave when they realize there's one more door, one more room they haven't gone in. So she walks right in and is looking around the room when she looks behind her where she didn't see. And there is a huge wooden wardrobe. And instantly she sees it and jumps back. And the realtor says, oh yeah, the the house comes with the wardrobe. (laughs) 
And the dad's like, why? Not the wardrobe comes with the house. <laughs> Ooh, you're right. No, the wardrobe comes with the house. You're right. <laughs> and they, and the dad asks why. And he says, I, th- I think it was just too big. You know, they couldn't move it. But so the dad walks up to the wardrobe and starts trying to open it, but it's locked. So he starts looking for a key. He's like looking around, reaches up and puts his hand on top. And as this is happening, she remembers she looked out the window because there was like a storm coming very far. And as she's looking out the window, a young boy pops up into the window and is staring at her. And behind her, her dad starts to violently try to shake the wardrobe open to get this thing open. And as she's doing that, the young boy looks at her straight faced and shakes his head and she turns and yells no stop looks back no boy so she screams don't open it we are not buying this house she's 10 screaming we're not buying this house we need to go her mom grabs her by the hand takes her out to the car to try to calm her down the dad talks to the realtor for a minute and leaves so he comes to the car and they're in the car And they drive away. And the mom tells her, the second we walked into that last room, and right when I saw that wardrobe, I felt the same feeling you felt. Hmm. And to this day, they have no idea what happened at that house. Realtor said nothing to you. Nope. I mean, there was no internet. Trying to sell the house, but yeah. There was no internet, there was no database. And by the time there was internet and they remembered they could look it up, they said they couldn't remember the address. address. Yeah. <sighs> but that's that. Yo, if there's any houses that I'm like looking at and there's just free old wardrobes <laughs> in it, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Bro, how ominous is that? I would be like, hell nah. <laughs> that is a staple in any scary movie. <laughs> that's Th- wild. There's a scene in The Conjuring where the young girl is lying in bed and she could hear something and it's like her wardrobe shaking. So she walks up to it. She get, musters up all the courage, tiptoes to the wardrobe, grabs the handles and whoom, opens, pulls them back and there's nothing. She's like, oh. And all of a sudden the camera pans up and this demented ass witch is like on top of the wardrobe and is like, <laughs> and like jumps toward her yep. and dude, that wrecked me. That terrified me. I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but um, first of all, you already know we moved around a lot growing up. And one time when we were moving, we went to look at a bunch of houses and I got super sick like, just like, and I don't get sick. Yeah, no. I got super sick, like, throwing up and everything. And then we stopped looking at all these houses and decided to do something else. And I was like, oh, okay, I feel, I kind of feel better now. And then ever since then, and you can verify this with any member of my family, my mom and dad would always be like, okay, we're going to go look at houses now, Sean. Do you want to come and tell us how you feel? Because they believe that if I get sick, they aren't supposed to move there. Whoa. Mm. You're the canary in their coal mine, dude. Straight up, like two weeks ago, they were looking at houses and they called me like, hey, how are you feeling? I was like, why? Are you looking at houses? For real, bro? (laughs) Like two weeks ago. They're serious about this. I'm dead serious. They're serious about this. That's crazy. It's the weirdest thing. (laughs) 
That's funny. Castaways are superstitious. All right. We a little stitious. <laughs> Did your story, are you finished? I'm done. That was great. Thank <clears throat> you so much. Hopefully I did it justice. She's a really good writer. Yeah. Lindsay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I know I didn't do it justice. So I, I might ask her if I can like post her writing. Cause it's her words are, I don't know, better than how I told it. I think. Mm-hmm. No, thank you so much. Shout out. And Liz, Lindsay's been listening for a while. So we appreciate you. That story reminded me of one that I've hesitated to tell for a while. Well, when I say a while, I mean the whole ever time. since we've started. <laughs> like the podcast or this episode? The podcast. Interesting. You two have heard it. I've shared it before. And I guess the reason why I hesitate sharing it is the same reason with the church kidnapping story. It, it's a mission story. Oh, yeah, I remember this so, one. <laughs> I don't. Well, good then. Yeah. This is going to be uh, exciting. So, real quick, if you're new, we're Mormon. We we served Mormon missions 10 years ago. It's been a long time, bro. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's actually where Sean and I met. We were in the Philippines. And religious opinions and notions and beliefs to the side it was actually fun Hmm. at the very least to get out and learn about other people's cultures learn their language trying to understand their stories it was just fun talking to people and we were very appreciative of people who would open up to us two of, of my really good friends on the mission one is named tyler one is named Earl. And if you've ever talked to Mormon missionaries, they do have a title, just like a teacher, Mr. and Mrs., you know, your teacher in school. We were kind of the same, but with, you know, teaching the gospel or our beliefs from our church. And our title for men was elder and then last name. Or if you were a girl missionary, it was sister and last name. So Tyler was Swicegood. He's from Denver. Good dude. Love that kid. Elder Swicegood. And then Earl, who's from the Philippines. Last name is Banzin. So Elder Banzin. So Elder Swicegood and Banzin, they were companions. If you see Mormon missionaries, you always see them in pairs. They work together. They study together. They just teach and do everything together. But I don't expect anybody to like sympathize or even entirely believe anything we say. Totally. But I'm just telling you what I know or what I've, what I've experienced. Or if in a lot of cases, these secondhand stories, what I've been told. So I'm just spitting out the facts. Hmm. You can take it for whatever you want it to be. So this is both Elder Swicegood and Banzin telling me this story. I know them very well. Very good people. I trust them. And when they told me this story, I could feel and see in their eyes the authenticity of it. So they were working together, knocking on doors, not having much success, which is the norm for (laughs) a missionary of any church. (laughs) They are working their way up this hill. Obviously, the Philippines is a third world country, so there's no doors for a lot of these houses. They just kind of walk up to the entrance and they, in the Philippines, you yell, Ayo, Ayo, 
That's kind of like, hey, we're here. IO just kind of, that's their call to say, hey, I'm here. Is anyone home? They're doing that. People aren't answering or people are and they are turning them away. As they're walking and trying to knock on these doors and trying to meet new people, they start getting closer to this house in which the children are telling them, don't go to that house over there. And they're pointing at it. Say it in Sabana. Ayao. Ayamo tuk tuk. Sa. What's house? Ayamo tuk tuk sa balai diha. Like, don't knock on that house or that door over there. Diha. <laughs> so, that instantly makes them want to go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, we'll skip the next five houses yeah. and yeah. go straight there. So, they get to this house and and there's a gate around this house. And this house is like a cinder block house. The tin roof. And there's a curtain for the door. And they don't go through the gate because it's closed. The gate's made out of bamboo. So they stand at the gate. And the distance from the gate to the door is about 10 yards. They yell, Ayo. They can hear someone walking around inside as they approach it. But when they yelled, Ayo, it went silent. So they waited a little bit thinking that, you know, they heard them call out. And they were going to come to the door and say something nothing they yell io again and they kind of walk a little to the right of the entrance down the gate and they can see that there's an old woman kind of behind the door or the entrance and she's just kind of like peeking and in the philippines if there's a woman who's older than you you call her nanai that's kind of the title they have so like, oh, Nanai, how are you? You know, they're talking to her and we spoke Cebuano or Bisaya, uh, which is a, a small dialect in the Philippines. But they call out to her and she beckons until she, she lifts her hand in the air and she tells them to come. So they walk through the gate, turn around, close the gate, turn back around and they're walking towards the house. And as they get closer, she's no longer at the entrance of the door. She's sitting down in a chair, and the chair's in the middle of the room. And as soon as they reach that point where they're at the entrance, no turning back to hide, she sees them. They see her sitting down in the middle of the room. She says in a perfect English accent, I've been waiting for you, Earl and Tyler. Calls them by their first names. Okay. Just so you guys know, if you haven't served a mission, you're not a member of Mormon. There's like a weird thing with missionaries. Your first name becomes kind of like secret almost. Like you don't use it. You don't really. Do you know what I mean? You go by the title elder. For me, I was elder. Elder and your last name. For two years, that's all anybody called me. So hardly anyone knows your first name. That's all I introduced myself as. So... Even some of my best friends on the mission didn't know my first name. Everybody called each other by their last names. Like I just, like I said, I called them Swicegood and Banzin. So everyone did that in the missions. Y'all went by your last name. So the fact that she calls them by their first names. Mm, nope. Instant chills. Nope. Swicegood turns to Banzin and says, hey, I don't feel good. Uh, I think we should leave. <laughs> Banzin says, I don't feel good either. But let's see what we can do. <laughs> Damn it, Swicegood. 
after they have that little exchange, she lifts up her hand and motions to them to come inside. So what do they do? They go inside. And they sit down on her couch and they begin to start a conversation with her. Just asking her her name, you know, where she's from, what she's up to. How the hell do you know our names? You know, trying to ignore (laughs) that fact, you know. She's not answering. Every time they ask her a question, nothing. So after doing that for a little while, a couple questions go by and no response. Swice good bumps Banzin. I really don't feel good about this. And Banzin says, maybe she's sick. You know, trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Or just being an idiot, which he kind of is. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But I tell that to his face, so it's okay. He's one of my best friends. But he asks Nanai, okay, Baka. Like, are you okay? And she replies in Cebuano, na koisaki. Which is, I have a sickness. And Benzin continues with that. Takes the bait. And he says, Saki, what's your sickness? And her response was, there's something telling me things. And if that wasn't creepy enough, she replied, not only in a different dialect, but in a different voice. Like, what was it like? There's something telling me things. (laughs) We're going to go with that. (laughs) So both of them are feeling more uncomfortable for some odd, odd reason. Benson still wants to reach out and try to help this to him. Poor woman. Dumb for him. Good for us. Good for us. (laughs) Content, bro. Little did he know that we'd exist 10 years later. But... He continues with this conversation and he asks, what are they telling you? Oh, no. Dude, coming hard. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You are dancing with the devil at this point. She replies, I know everything about you and your church and your temples. What goes on in the outside and in. Once again, if that was not creepy enough, she replies in another dialect and in another voice. I have the strongest chills I've had since the beginning of this podcast. Could you just imagine like, I'd be like, I I would turn and run. I'd be like, f*** you. Uh, Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) F*** you. (laughs) I'm going home. (laughs) So that point, Banzin decides he wants to get out, but he wants to do one thing before he leaves. He wants to leave a blessing on her and the house. He whispers to Swicegood and says, I think we should give her a blessing and then we can go. Is that cool? Swicegood, super hesitant, but agrees. He says to the Nanai, he says, Nanai, we're going to give you a blessing if that's okay with you. We believe this blessing can, can help. And it's basically like a prayer. So he starts to approach her. And she's not saying anything. 
And he asks her again, can we give you a blessing? She's not really moving or saying anything. And he goes to put his hand on her shoulder to kind of rub her back or rub her arm and assure her that everything's going to be okay and ask again if it would be all right to give her a blessing. And as he's reaching out to put his hand on her shoulder, her dead set eyes that's fixed just straight not on anything in particular but just straight ahead switch blinks and she looks at him and she starts to twirl in her seat what do you mean twirl her body starts moving in circles just like this yeah okay and her head starts getting real loose and Right before Banzin touches her, he says, Nana, are, are you okay? What's happening? And as she's circling around, all of the voices that spoke to him spoke in unison and says, You cannot have her. You cannot take her. She is ours. So Banzin grabs her. And he looks at Swicegood and says, help me. Swicegood, without even thinking, helps and grabs Nanai. And they start to pray. And as they're holding her, her circular motions and her body motions are getting more violent. And she's screaming in what sounds like multiple voices. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, there is like a huge knot or ball in my throat right now. But they are praying and they're just asking for heaven's help. At this point, they don't know what to do. Something beyond their power is here. And so they also need something else from the other side beyond their power to, you know, fight this almost. From what they're telling me. This blessing goes on for maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And it feels like hours, of course, as any intense situation would. But when they say the words, amen, and they close their prayer, she stops. She immediately falls to the floor. When this happens, they hear voices behind them. And they turn around. And in all of this commotion, they had no idea. But the children that told them not to go to the house followed them. They don't know when they got to the entrance and the windows. But at this point, they were all looking and watching and saw this whole thing unfold. At least this very last part. And she's on the ground. This looks bad. (laughs) Two men in white shirts and ties. And a knocked out grandma. And a knocked out grandma on the floor. People watching outside the house. So they turn back around, focus their attention on Nanai. And they gently start to to shake her. They say, Nanai, Nanai, wake up. Are you okay? This goes on for another 30 seconds or so. She slowly starts coming to her senses, struggling to open her eyes. And after a few minutes of this, with her regaining consciousness, she can't say anything except for Salama Jukayo. Just thank you very much. Over and over again. There's not much that happened at that house. 
that day. They never went back to the house. They felt like they did what they felt like they got everything they could have out of there or didn't need to experience any much more after that, which is understandable. So they leave that house. How would you feel in that situation? I don't know. Drained. Yeah. Overwhelmed. Exhausted. Yeah. From what they were telling me, they were feeling pretty good. And the reason why is if you look at this through a Mormon missionary's perspective, someone who, and I'm not putting them down, this is just like their paradigm, but someone who believes that they're almost like a soldier for God, you know, teaching his word, they think that they did a good thing. I think the main mission of a missionary is to help others in any way. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, that can be very difficult because a lot of people just don't want any type of help, no matter what help. So anytime you can help someone on the mission, you just feel like you're fulfilling your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That was the main purpose for missionaries to help others. And that didn't even have to be through teaching about our church. That could be helping somebody to weed their yard and that's it. I mowed 4,000 lawns on my mission. (laughs) Every Saturday we did eight (laughs) lawns. There was a time on my mission where the area I was working in, nobody wanted to hear anything about what we had to say. Everyone was rejecting us. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling pretty down. But from their perspective, it makes sense, you know? Like, I don't talk to anybody who knocks on my door. I feel, yeah. So... No knock on anyone who doesn't, like... Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. But there there was a point where I changed my pitch to, do you have anything I can do like for you around the house? Which Filipinos were very open to that. So if it was like, help, like I said, helping to weed, I did that a lot. And I was like, give me a, a spoon and I'll start weeding your yard and that's it. I'll leave it at that. You know, that was the least I could do then. I don't know. But I'm not trying to paint ourselves as like the perfect people because we weren't, but that's what the purpose of any missionary was they're good and bad missionaries anyway so they're feeling good about themselves they go home the next day is what's called p day and for mormon missionaries p day is the best because it's the one day where you get to email home talk to your family and play some sport or something play some sport um do have an activity because all the other days you're studying you're teaching you're helping people all day long. yeah p day stands for preparation day so you do the things you need to do grocery shop wash your clothes so you're re- like you're prepared for the rest of the week. Usually, at least in our mission, the night before P-Day, the missionaries would all sleep at one person's house. <sighs> one of the companionship's house. And we'd just hang out. We'd bring food, play card games. Dodgy boys. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the case. So that day they were, they had that experience with the Nanai was the day before P-Day. So they're feeling good. And the only thing they can think of is, man, this is a great story. Wait till everyone else, you know, reacts to what we just went through and we tell them. So they meet up with everybody that night and they're all hanging out in the room and curfew is at 1030. They're staying up a little later than usual. One of the missionaries in that district that we we call a district, uh, one of the missionaries in that district is very good. And he he was very concerned about keeping every rule. Yeah. Very concerned about keeping every rule. 
<laughs> so he he's sleeping already while everyone else is just hanging out, playing music, playing games. <laughs> and they're, for some reason, they're all in one room. I, I, if I remember correctly, I think it's because that one room had air conditioning. Sounds but about right. This elder. Aircon. <laughs> yeah, Aircon. <laughs> they're, uh, uh, this missionary is knocked out. He's been knocked out for a while. And he seems to sleep through all of their, you know, activities, everything like that. The music. Yelling, laughing, yeah. shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they start to tell their story about their nanai. And they're being really prideful about it. Um, yeah, bro. We walked in there, <laughs> slapped that demon. <laughs> they were calling themselves the demon slayers. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Holy crap. <laughs> so as they're telling this story... A lot of the missionaries are freaking out. Some of them are not believing them one bit. People are all across the board. But at the height of this story, when they say, we gave her a blessing, cast it out the demon. And they're super embellishing it. They're saying all the kids are outside and they were cheering. <laughs> <laughs> the elder that was sleeping sits straight up. Everyone looks. Because he has been dead asleep. So like, boom, up in his bed. Looks at all of them and says, I don't know what you're doing or what's going on, but whatever it is, I think we should stop. At that moment, they all start laughing at him. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> nerd. <laughs> <laughs> they start laughing at him. And in the middle of their laughter... The one wardrobe in their room starts to shake violently. The doors of it start rattling and banging. After about five to ten seconds of this, everyone's attention is towards the wardrobe. The doors of it open and shut. Open and shut. That point, all the missionaries, scared out of their mind... Huddle together in a circle on their knees and start to pray for forgiveness. <laughs> for forgiveness. <laughs> As they're praying, this rattling from the wardrobe starts to slow down, settle down, and finally stops. And this tense, tight feeling that they all felt in their chest stays with them throughout the night. But after that night, Swaisigod and Banzen told me this story on different accounts, but with very little variation. And did their attitude change? And their attitude did change. <laughs> they weren't super somber about it, but they they told it kind of in the way I'm telling you now, like this is what happened. But just matter of fact, like yeah. So I don't know if you wanna wanna take that. You can leave it, but that's what we're setting out there. Yeah. Um, but your wardrobe story very, very much reminded me of that. You I, hadn't heard that before? I could have sworn you've told that one before. It sounds like a dream I've had. Like, I can kind of remember, like I could almost guess what was coming because I probably have heard it before. But hmm. I don't really remember that. That was... A banger. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, thanks for l indulging me in that again. Um, it's been a while since I've told that. 
I it's funny because I, I had another story to share. Ooh. But I think we'll call it good this week, at least for me. Dang. Okay. So I'll I'll put those in the bag and save them for next time. <laughs> nice. We're excited. Well, I, I just got a short story for us tonight. I have a couple actually, but I'm gonna go with this one just okay. to kind of you know bring us back down to earth a little bit <laughs> after the scary the scary scary story. This is a little scary, but like you know, I don't know about that scary. Dude, so I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> so yeah, what if we start just rating each other's stories? <laughs> we all hold up a thumb <laughs> in the middle of the story. I'm like, that story was a four out of ten. <laughs> Um, sleepovers. Did you have them as a kid? Hell yes. Okay. I did. My first sleepover, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again real quick. My first sleepover, I went, it was a friend's birthday party, bunch of people there, and we watched Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys know this because I've told it to you before, but it was my first time seeing it. My first time away at somebody's house overnight. And I was excited. That is until the scene where they're driving in large Marge's truck. Large Marge's truck. And she makes that face. And the whole buildup of that with the windy road and everything Uh, freaked me out. Dude, I called home and my parents. (laughs) Oh, you're that kid. I'm that kid, dude. (laughs) That happened when I was about 23 years old. (laughs) No. uh, But. I just remember, like, before I was 13 and going over to sleepovers, we were always watching, like, PG-13 movies, being all, you Bro. know, rebellious and stuff. How could you? Watch Planet of the Apes <laughs> and Tomb Raider. <laughs> that shower scene, though? That, Tomb Raider. Dude, that's Bro, that, that came you. exactly just to that my head. tasteful side boot. <laughs> Very tasteful. <laughs> dude, what are we, sheltered Mormons or something? <laughs> oh, hey, no, no, no. Any guy is okay with tasteful side boobs. Sure. Regardless. So for me, sleepovers were lawless truth or dares, (laughs) seeing how far you could push all of the boundaries. It was the best. I have endless stories of sleepovers. Oh, yeah. They're they're so good. So normally, they would be a happy time. That's not always the case. So there was this one girl who submitted her story. She was about 12 years old at the time, and her parents were out of town, but her older sister was kind of the babysitter for her, and she was going to have a friend over that night to have a sleepover. Now, her friend hadn't shown up yet, and she was kind of getting anxious to have a friend over and start you know, playing games and stuff like that, and she hears a knock at the door. Must be my friend. Must be my friend. She runs to the door, opens the door, not her friend. It's actually this guy standing there, like a middle-aged guy. He has this clipboard in his hand. He's wearing kind of like a striped polo shirt. And she's like, well, kind of disappointed, but well, what, what, what do you need? And he says, I'm here to check the gas. And she's like, still disappointed it's not her friend. Okay, go in. You can do whatever you need to do. And so he comes in and starts walking up the stairs. And as he gets up the stairs, he kind of disappears from her field of view. But then her older sister, like, comes around the corner and was like, who is that? And she says, it's just the uh, 
the guy here to check out the meter on the gas. And her sister kind of stands there for a second and then starts freaking out. She runs to her sister, grabs her by the arm, runs outside really quick, and points to the meter by the side of the house and said, that's the gas meter. And so they're both standing out here and they realize that whoever this guy is is not who they think he is. They see this older gentleman walking by their house and in a split second, the older sister says, oh, hi, dad. The gas meter guy just came. He's trying to check the gas in the house. And all of a sudden, and this older guy, as he's walking by, is like, what are you? (laughs) What? Yeah. Lay off the drugs, kid. (laughs) And as this happens, though, because she meant she made it sound super loud so that everyone could hear this guy all of a sudden runs out of the house and kind of runs down the street. They kind of go back into the house, lock the doors up, wait for her friend. Obviously, they she still enjoys her sleepover, but nothing happened. A few weeks later, a girl goes missing in their town. And in the investigation, there were no signs of forced entry. The police couldn't figure out what was going on. And the two girls had kept this a secret for the whole time. They hadn't told anyone, not even their parents. They probably thought for some reason they'd get in trouble. Probably. At this point, they go to their parents and they go to the police and they report the incident. Now the police are like, oh no, this is probably the same guy that we're looking for then now. And this is probably how he got in. And after finding out kind of like the MO and what they're looking for, they find the girl that was missing a few days later and she's dead. But she had been kept, starved, and then burned. And that could have happened to this this girl who had her sleepover just because of letting a dude in the house. So moral of the story is that fucking gas meter is outside the house. <laughs> Lots of morals, actually. Yeah, dude. <laughs> from that. No. Dude, that sucks that like so much hinges on just what could be like a careless mistake, you know? Yeah. Because like, I don't know. For me, whenever I hear stories of that, I'm looking for patterns and things that I can avoid. Mm-hmm. But that one is just like... It, it is a mistake. You could just have accidentally opened the door and then accidentally believed them, you know? Well, uh, this is what, like, I don't know about you guys, but my parents kind of taught me, like, we have a family password. If someone's here from us, they have to give you the password and, like, you know, the stranger danger stuff, right? So that's kind of what I would lean towards teaching my children, should I ever have them in the future. But teaching them to just be aware especially in this day and age dude there's so many creeps and pedophiles and killers and all kinds of stuff it's hard because as a kid you assume so many like you assume the best especially from older people right you know when you were little and you looked at even someone in high school you thought their life was perfect and figured out yeah adults know everything yeah yeah no um (laughs) But as a kid, that, that's that's all you assume. So I think as a parent, this is coming from someone who obviously has zero parenting experience. Mm. But more than teaching them to don't talk to strangers is what Sean was saying is just to be aware. But I don't know. How aware, do you te- for, aware for what? How do you teach that? It's like I, well, the first thing I thought of was, you know, don't like if someone's trying to be nice to you, if a stranger is trying to be nice to you, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's was, a tough because you don't go, want them to be afraid of but life. You, but you don't want to raise a little dickhead who's like, get away from me, jerk. And it's like, dude, I was just being, I was saying hi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was thinking like, don't believe everything that people say. I don't know. It's hard. And like, when do you start to tarnish a child's innocent view of the world and start to tell them, you know, there are bad people and you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that also kind of sucks that you have to do that. It sucks. And that makes it feel like you kind of have to be a helicopter parent, at least like, I don't know. There's some eras in time, some neighborhoods, some parents who just let their kids play out in the street. Anytime my parents let me do that, the best. It was yeah. all the memories. And then you hear of some of those kids who have some have those run-ins. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I've thought about it a lot. There are watches you can buy your kids that have like tracking on them. Mm-hmm. They're not phones or anything. They're just watches with tracking. And they're cool. Like when you're a kid and if you got like a high-tech watch, you'd be like, this is sick. I feel like maybe just be like a parent that says, Hey, I trust you, but you need to be careful and be aware. Hmm. But like you can't. Yeah, no, I I agree not to the helicopter parent type. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's not the best way by any means. But I think it's interesting how when they are presented with those situations to learn on their own in a natural environment that they start to align with some like primal instinct. Mm. they know to communicate or their senses start become heightened right to mm. know their surroundings and the people that are talking to them and yeah so i wonder how much of it is what can i say to help them learn and what can they just learn on their own but you don't want them to learn in the worst the hard way, way possible yeah the yeah, hard way yeah. you know parents but, out there if we have any parents listening, <laughs> one, I'm very surprised. Two, <laughs> tell us what you think. <laughs> like, how do you how do you teach your kids about that? Because it is a weird subject. I don't know. It's true. I don't know how to approach that. Yeah, help Not us out. Yeah. <laughs> Three a.m. podcast where we teach parenting advice. <laughs> thanks for thanks for starting that discussion, Sean. I got you. <laughs> Was that all you're gonna do tonight? Um, well, on our live story, I said that I had a story about drugs. It's a little bit longer, and we're going over time right now. So I'm going to save it to later. Sorry. Dang. It's all good. No that worries. just means we're prepared. Hey. We're peppered, dude. <laughs> awesome. But, dude, your story tonight, classic. It's a fun one. I give it a thumbs up. Dude, I also give it a thumbs up. <laughs> Or a shaka, bro. Um, <laughs> anyway, this has been a, a, a good time. Uh, thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Anything else? Any updates or last words? If you are listening for the first time, again, we always close with trust your gut. Watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Love you. Be safe. Be careful out there.
Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.